0: I'm Quintin Pastrana. In this episode of Life Sentences, we'll be reading excerpts from a piece written by Portuguese novelist José Saramago. José Saramago, a novelist of such dystopian visions as blindness, seeing, the double, and the cave, and the stone raft has gifted us with a whimsical fable that one literary critic hailed as the heir to the little prince. With that benediction, what else is there to say but hear excerpts of this unbridled tale? But before we do that, let's talk about the genre itself. I argue that the book falls into and redefines the boundaries of allegory, fantasy, and speculative fiction. So joining me here today is Carl-Jo Javier, who is the professor of creative writing at the Ateneo de Manila University and a writer. Carljo, talk to us about the genre, speculative fiction. What is it all
2: about and why does it appeal to Filipinos? One thing that we need to think about is that some of the stuff that happens in speculative fiction, we actually still continue to believe in as if it's reality. There's a lot of folk belief that uh, Filipinos still hold on to and even if you think that you're like a super educated urban dweller, uh, you still believe in like pasma. We believe these other things like kapag naambunan ka, mo maligo kasi baka ka. My favorite is pagpag. Yung when you're coming from a, a wake and you have to stop over somewhere and that's usually an excuse to just get a beer. So we hold on to all of these different beliefs. And so our definitions of what is quote unquote real and and fantastic, there's there's they're very fuzzy. What is speculative fiction to some people is just like normal horror fantasy for other people. Our acceptance of the supernatural really means that we're also willing to engage with stories of things that are outside of quote unquote realist fiction. But if you think
0: about it from a writerly perspective how much more challenging is it to write such a simple
2: but symbolic tale? I think (laughs) simplicity is more challenging. You know, it's like if you look at Hemingway, the brevity is so much of a challenge to, to a writer to be able to be expressive but to limit the words that you use for that expressiveness. Like now, I am saying all of these words to try to explain brevity because it's really hard like when i was an undergrad and the the measure was how good are you at realist fiction and can you win a palanca with that honestly i'm not a big believer in awards i don't think that they're meaningless but to my own writing i've always just wanted to to write locally there have been a number of great speculative fiction anthologies and they've inspired people to publish without having to go through the literary systems that having to win an award, whatever. You just write a really great speculative fiction piece, you can get published. And other people have noticed, other people are doing independent publishing. Like it's, it's just a clear field. It's a beautifully open field for people to play in. Carl Joe, what is the future of speculative fiction in the country? When I was an undergrad, betraying my age a little bit, there was a strong anti-speculative fiction bias. In fact, I was told in writing workshops that if I wanted to be taken seriously, I just had to stop writing these silly speculative fiction stories. At this point in our literary progress, a lot has changed. One, a lot of speculative fiction has started winning big Filipino literary awards. That's one. Two, a lot of speculative fiction authors recognizing that they might not be um, acknowledged, uh, featured in such collections just decided screw it I'm going to do it however I want I'm going to write the way that I want and they have proceeded and they have maybe gotten snubbed in local journals but then they get published internationally and so Filipino authors getting published internationally has um, cleared away on the global scene the readership is much more diverse the authors who are getting published are much more diverse, and so that makes everything richer. Thanks again, Carl, and look forward to more good writing.
0: Now, a book like Tale of the Unknown Island and Beggar's Description, but safe to say, it's a book that whimsically whispers to you to follow your dreams, even, to paraphrase the poet T.S. Eliot, if they lead you back to where you first began and see that place for the very first time. And now we turn to Saramago's work itself. And I'll need the help of a few friends to tell this tale. Mark and Trisha Aquino of Puma Podcast are here with me to read some lines from Tale of the Unknown Island.
1: Hi, I'll be the harbor master. I'm the cleaning lady.
0: And I'll be reading the sailor's lines. So let's begin. Can you tell me why you want the boat? To go in search of the unknown island. There are no islands left. That's just what the king said to me. He learned everything he knows about islands from me. Well, it's odd that you, a man of the sea, should say to me that there are no unknown islands left. I'm a man of the land, and yet I know that even known islands remain unknown until we set foot on them. But if I understood you right... You're going in search of one that no one has set foot on. Yes, and I'll know when I get there. I'm going to give you the boat you need. Which one is it? That one. Now as soon as the cleaning woman saw where the harbormaster was pointing, she emerged from behind the barrels.
1: That's my boat! That's my boat!
0: Now one must forgive her unusual and entirely unjustifiable claim of ownership. The boat just happened to be the one that she had liked too. Now the cleaning lady could not contain herself any longer.
1: As far as I'm concerned, that's the boat for me.
0: And who are you? asked the man.
1: Don't you remember me?
0: No, I don't.
1: I'm the cleaning woman. Cleaning what? The king's palace.
0: Oh, the woman who opened the door for petitions.
1: The very same.
0: And why aren't you back at the king's palace cleaning and opening doors?
1: Because the doors I really want to open have already been opened. And because, from now on, I will only clean boats.
0: So, you want to go with me in search of the unknown island?
1: Don't you want to come with me and see what your boat is like inside?
0: You said it was your boat.
1: Sorry about that. I only said it because I liked it. Liking is the best form of ownership. And ownership, the worst form of liking.
0: Now the sun had vanished into the ocean when the man with the boat appeared at the far end of the quay. He was carrying a package in his hand, but he was alone and looked dispirited. The cleaning woman went to wait for him by the gangplank, but before she could open her mouth to find out how the rest of the day had gone, he said, Don't worry, i brought enough food for the two of us.
1: And the sailors?
0: Well, no one came, as you can see. They said... There are no more unknown islands, and that even if there were, they weren't prepared to leave the comfort of their own homes and the good life on board the passenger ships, just to get involved with some ocean-going adventure, looking for the impossible, as if we were still living in the day when the sea was dark.
1: And what did you say to them?
0: That the sea is always dark.
1: And you didn't tell them about the unknown island?
0: Well, how could I tell them about the unknown island if I don't know where it is?
1: But you're sure it exists.
0: As sure as the sea is dark.
1: How do you think you'll manage if you haven't gotten a crew? I don't know yet. And I, you, must have some skill, a craft, a profession, as they call it nowadays.
0: I have. I did have. And will have, if necessary. But I want to find the unknown island. And I want to find out who I am when I'm there on the island.
1: Don't you know, if you don't step outside yourself, you'll never discover who you are. That you have to leave the island in order to see the island. That we can't see ourselves unless we become free of ourselves.
0: So the moon was now but a hand's breadth above the sea and the shadows cast by the yard and the mainmast came and lay at their feet.
1: Our caravels really lovely.
0: Now the moonlight was falling directly on the cleaning woman's face. Lovely, really lovely, thought the man. She handed him the candle and said,
1: See you tomorrow, then. Sleep well.
0: Well, he wanted to say the same thing, only differently. Sweet dreams was the phrase he came out with. In a little while, when he is down below, lying on his bunk, other phrases will spring to mind. Wittier, more charming, as such phrases should be when a man finds himself alone with a woman. He wondered if she already would be asleep. And then he imagined he was looking for her and couldn't find her anywhere. That the two of them were lost on a vast ship. Sleep is such a skilled magician. It changes the proportion of things, the distances between them. It separates people, and they're lying next to each other, and brings them together. And that's it for this episode of Life Sentences. I'm Quintin Pastrana. This episode is produced by Janina Magundayo and edited by Nico Bolante. Life Sentences is a co-production with Puma Podcast. If you'd like to hear more of these, or if you have suggestions on how we can improve, or what we should feature next, drop us an email at lifesentencesph@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We'll dive into your favorite passages of poetry, fiction, speeches, films, or essays. You can also reach us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LifeSend.